Hey, Hot Widows Club podcast fans. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Hot Widows Club podcast. This episode may not sound like our normal episodes as our production team tried very hard to do their best to get the best sound out of the HWCP. However, one member who remains nameless, her name is Crystal, refused to wear the headphones that she was told to wear. And therefore, it sounds a little different. But next week, we'll be back to our normal production as she has learned her lesson. All right, everyone, welcome to tonight's episode of the Hot Widows Club podcast. My name is Crystal. I'm the Hot Widow of Eric. And my usual beautiful guest, Allie, is here, the very, very Hot Widow of Ross. She just flew Eric Kisses. <laughs> Hi. Hey, everyone. And our guest from Georgia, Allison, the very Hot Widow of Chris. Welcome, Allison. We can end the podcast now. You know why? <laughs> why? You said I was the Hot Widow of Chris. So. I'm good now. <laughs> ah, you're the hot widow. Okay? I am a hot widow. Okay, so, so. <laughs> you are. You're so hot. Uh, well, welcome to the Hot Widows Club podcast. We are so excited to have you. And um, Allison, I met through just some conversations through some of our socials and email. And so Allison reached out to say, "Hey, I love your show." And I said, "Want to be on it?" And she said, "Oh gosh, really?" And I said, "Yeah." And here we are. It's meant to be. Yeah, I just said, I, I think you guys are fun. So I think it'll be fun to hang out for a little bit. Allie's the fun one, not me. Oh, she keeps the fun going. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think we should mention that all three of us are recording remotely. So we're going to try our best. Sometimes this is a little difficult to do remotely, but we're trying uh, because an update for everyone is that we live in the tundra here in Nebraska. And since our last recording, we have, I don't know how many inches of snow, a lot. And it's been like six to eight. Okay. I said 68. Oh, 68. <laughs> Not 69. <laughs> Not 69, 68. Oh, um, and it's been like negative 20. So, although today it was a heat wave, it was like 25. I took Benny to a turn basketball tournament today and I was like, gosh, it's so hot. I had to take my coat off. It was 25. <laughs> it was 40 today here, which actually felt nice. It was 15 yesterday, which is really cold for here. Oh my gosh. During the day it was 15? Yeah. I'm not sure what the high was, but it might have been 25 the high yesterday. It was a really cold day. That's extra cold. That's not. That's not normal, but I mean... We do have lots of cold days through the winter, but not not too many that cold. It's usually like if it's 30, it's cold. <laughs> well, um, I have an update for you guys. So, um, my gosh, I hope I don't jinx it, but the Chiefs are playing right now. So, if you guys have any love for the Chiefs, please go ahead and cheer them on. I guess I'm not, you know what, this isn't going to air. Like, we're going to know the outcome in the Chiefs game before this airs. But I'm going to send some love up right now. So you let, we'll be able to update everybody on the next one. <laughs> it, they will know. They will know by then. Uh, um, so I'm a huge Chiefs fan. Always have. And uh, Eric was a huge Chiefs fan. Probably why I married him. Because, you know, I'm a Chiefs fan. You meet a Chiefs fan. It's almost like, well, we might as well get married. Like, 
can't see any other quality that he defined besides you love the cheese. Well, that's probably why you like me, I guess. I don't know. Many reasons why I like you, but that you're a Chiefs fan also was. Yeah, Ross was a huge Chiefs fan. So my mom grew up in Kansas City. Um, So I have aunts and uncles and they have season tickets. And so I've just been like, it's been a part of my life, my whole life, just like the Huskers. But yeah, it's a big game tonight. Huge. Allison, are you guys, uh, is Chris a football fan? Are you a football fan at all? So Chris wasn't super into football. He really likes soccer and uh, baseball, but he would watch the big football games because he always wanted to be able to talk to people about it at work the next day. So if it's the Super Bowl or anything big, he's watching it. Okay. What was his soccer team? The soccer team? Oh, my goodness. I don't even know if he had a favorite. I just know he got really excited when it's like the Soccer World Cup and... Yeah, I'm not sure that he had... I think whoever was playing, he would just kind of like pick a side that he wanted to cheer for. <laughs> and I don't think he necessarily had a an actual team that was his favorite. He just liked to watch it. He played soccer all growing up, so... Eric was a big soccer fan and baseball. He liked the Red Sox. Eric liked all sports. He was crazy into sports. What was Chris's baseball team? Oh, the Braves. The Atlanta Braves. Yeah, and he actually knew one of the Braves players personally so that was you know also kind of a big deal for him so that's cool uh all right Al, what updates do you have for the the old HWCP there was a couple that I had written down um since our last recording the big one was snow days um and how difficult it is or like I guess how lonely I have felt just like I have felt so isolated and lonely because we have had, it's just been nonstop cold and snow. I think my kids' school was canceled four days. And along with that, pretty much everything else had, was canceled. So we were just stuck. We've been stuck at home. Days like these remind me how lonely I am. Because it's just me and the boys. And I love my boys. I mean, it's just... It's hard not getting out of the house. It's hard not being around adults and having adult conversations. And then also just trying to work from home is just, it's so stressful. Or trying to find childcare, like trying to find childcare and working and the weather and worried about like the, you know, the furnace, like, you know, as you guys know, like how stuff is, I don't know a lot about it. So I'm like, my furnace okay like you know just all the extra stress on top of being super lonely so that has been really really hard for me um i don't know if you can relate to that crystal yeah i definitely can for sure i can relate to the situation for sure like especially like going to work and it's last minute like school will cancel and you're like i've got eight meetings tomorrow and they are all going on whether i show up at that plant tomorrow or not and i need to be a part of it but they're going to be home and how am I going to like it's also like the like the internal struggle that I have with like I have to go to work like I have a role that requires me to physically be at work and I want to be there but I also know I need to be safe and not drive to work like when you're the only parent there's a lot of like that's a very unsafe situation to try to drive in and put yourself at risk and so that stress of them missing school is a lot Try, like Alex said, trying to find someone to watch kids. Like, who's going to drive to your house in a snowstorm? And where are you going to drive your kids to in a snowstorm? 
And so, yeah, I felt super stressed um, during that time. Hopefully, hopefully it's not going to happen again, but we live in Nebraska, so this could happen until April, maybe May. Um, and then like the lonely isolation of getting stuck in your house. Oh my God. Yeah, that's a lot. But I have tips for that. I got some tips for how I remained unlonely and that's tons of FaceTiming. I absolutely love to FaceTime my friends, talk to my friends, bring them into our house and our conversations to try to like, okay, I'm not alone. I've got people out there who love me, who want to to talk to me and I want to talk to them. So I do, I did try that because for me, isolating peace, Ellie, when Eric was really sick, it was January and February and I was so isolated and I had so much trauma from that. And the last two years, these are the hardest months for me. And I felt completely traumatized by being alone in my house. And so I tried that this time and it did help me a little bit. It did help me a little bit, but I felt it for sure. And I agree with you. It was a tough couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I've just been really, really struggling. Um, Also coming off the holidays, just coming off the holidays and then, you know, diving into the new year um, was, you know, good refresh. But honestly, I mean, it's what is it? January 21st right now. And the last two weeks have been, I have been so down, so down um, because of the weather, because of feeling so isolated, so lonely. Dang, boo. I, Allie always cheers me up. And so whenever I'm down, all I have to do is call her and cheer her up. I need to reciprocate that. I need to figure out how to do that. So guess, help me to be a more cheerful, cheer upper like my dear Allie is to me. Allison, any tips for us? I don't know. Maybe set an alarm on your phone to call Allie or, or like... um I know you guys were talking about, I think, Marco Polo recently. I do use Marco Polo. That's kind of fun because then you can, like, if you send Allie a message to cheer her up, then she can listen to that over and over. Or, I don't know, even if you wrote her a card and put a card in the mail, then that's something she can read over and over. And Allison, that is beautiful. Like, that is so on point. So, I absolutely love Marco Polo app. And I have been doing it daily with my new widow friend, Heather, and it's just been so nice. So yeah, I would love to have Marco Polo with Crystal. I'm doing it. I'm downloading it as we speak. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Ellie is an amazing friend and I don't have that natural depth um, that Allie has and I'm trying to be better at it. And uh, especially as I get overcommitted, I'm doing my boundaries, like I said, I would. I feel like I'm doing a good job at that. Somebody asked me if I would go to Alaska in June. And of course, my heart's like, yeah, baby, I'll go to Alaska in June. But I said, no, I care. I have a plan and stick it with it. Boundaries, babe. That would be hard to say no to. Like, I've heard it's beautiful in Alaska in June. So a really dear friend of mine who, she's turned friend of mine, but we used to work together. I don't... I don't have, um, I have to be really careful in my job just because I can have, uh, my my job just requires really good boundaries. 
And so um, I ended up um, having this girl join us and she was fresh out of college and she um, she's just neat and I really liked her and we just connected right away. Uh, she moved away about 24 months ago and she moved to Alaska. This girl, Allie, like she had a calling to go to Alaska and she just was like, it's a calling. Like I heard this calling, I felt this calling and she, you know, manifested it and she's been in Alaska for two years and living her best life. Oh, that's Loving awesome. it. Did find out some really bad news today, you guys. I'm devastated over this. What? Okay, you know that there's only one. Okay, there's only one time of year that I really drink, and I didn't even drink last year. But like my favorite day of the year has become the Fourth of July because it's just non-committal. It's just everything I love: food, friends, family. If you want to, but no obligations water, um, sun, break from sports. I found out today that state baseball is 4th of July week. What? Yes. We are going to have to go to a baseball tournament 4th of July weekend. (laughs) I can't believe it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, I'm going to have big decisions to make. Of whether or not that's something I can commit to. Yeah, I don't know about that one. That's hard. Is that for your son's baseball team? Yes, yes. I mean, I wish I played baseball. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, Allison, I love to play baseball and softball and volleyball, which is another reason why I love July. I have a question for you, Allison, and for Crystal, and I want you both to answer it honestly, if you can. So how do you deal with people who are telling you that a situation they're in is hard and you can only think your hard is my piece of cake? Do you feel sad, angry about that? How do you handle it? That's a good question because... I think we all feel that like sometimes I just have to step back a little bit and not listen too deeply. I mean, not ignore people, but just, I don't know, try to remember how I felt before my life got so hard and everybody's heart is different. And I don't know, sometimes if you're, if they're hard, isn't hard. I think at some point we all in our lives have something that's really hard. I just think everybody does. Not everybody has the same heart, but we all have to hurt hard. So, uh, that's hard because I I have a hard time really even listening to other people's problems very much just because I'm like, well, my problems are the biggest. And it's so much for me to think about my own problems, to be able to listen to someone else's problems or just, I don't know, I just can't take it in very well. Well... Um, I have two chains of thought here. So I'm with you, Allison, in that everyone's heart is their heart. And so I try to listen, but I'm not a good listener. And so in my widowhood journey, I've been trying to be present and work on my listening. So when someone has something 
right now in my life based on where I'm at with something that's hard I listen as best as I have the ability to listen and then I jump straight into problem solve unless you're really close to me if you are really close to me and I'm trying to tell you how hard my situation is and you try to tell me that you is harder I get so mad and I just shut down and I just end the conversation at that point because it's not going to be productive. It's going to make me feel worse. I'm going to say something I shouldn't say to someone else. And, you know, then it's just going to cause an argument where it's like, I'm going to have to explain something that I cannot explain and they can't explain. And so I've been trying just to like, shut it down. Just I end the conversation because it doesn't feel worthwhile to me. So I would say that's how I deal with those situations. But I do in my heart realize that everyone's heart, their heart is their heart. Because like some of the stuff I do is not hard. Like sometimes like I complain about things that I think are hard. And sometimes Allie will just be like, just do this. And I'm like, well, would you go to college or something? Just kidding. <laughs> we went to the same college. So. Anyways, um, you know what I mean? Like sometimes I'm like, okay, I just needed you to tell me that and accept it. So I'm I'm pretty good at giving. I give my opinion very freely and openly, but I also accept feedback pretty well. So anyways, I don't know. Did that help? Yeah. Help? No, I think, I mean... I, I just wanted to ask that question because somebody had asked me this question and I was like, this is a really good question to talk about because it honestly is something that we deal with a lot, I think. like, And for me, it depends on the day. Like, It depends on honestly how I'm de- like doing that day. And if I'm feeling pretty good, like I feel like I can help even though, sure, those thoughts go through my head of like, Wow. Okay. Like, I wish I had that situation instead of the one I'm in. But right. yes, I want to. I want to help people. Like, I, that's just in my nature. Uh, but then the days that are hard, especially the days that are hard, and as Crystal said, when you're really close to somebody, that's where you need a lot of patience. And as Crystal said, it's like sometimes you just have to like end it or like not say anything because it's it's not gonna end well. And I've definitely been in those situations. I think when this person asked me, I think what I was gathering from the question is also like when you're talking to somebody, especially when it's somebody you know well, it's like know know your audience. Like when you're talking about a problem, know who you're talking to about it. Because for instance, let's say you're ha- you uh, – are really struggling with a newborn child or like a one-year-old because they're not sleeping. And so you go to your friend and you're complaining about it. But like, let's say that friend is struggling with infertility and really wants a child. Like, that's probably not the person you should go to, right? Like, know your audience. Know, just know that when you're talking to a widow, for instance, you shouldn't complain about your husband or like having them be gone on vacation for a week because... It's like, we deal with this every day. Like, why would you complain to us about this? Like, we want to hear it, but at the same time, 
that is really difficult for us. That's very, very difficult. Um, so it's kind of right. like know your audience. Um, obviously, you don't know what everybody's going through. And as Crystal said, like in Allison, it's like sometimes you just have to like step away <laughs> and and know that you can't handle everybody else's problems because it's too much to take on for yourself. Amen. Yeah, for sure. I'm a very social person, but I've definitely like, it's not that I don't interact with people as much. I just, I kind of have stepped away from other people some just because it's like, I just can't deal with everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to have to deal with what I have to deal with myself, my kids. And if someone has a problem, then they probably might need to talk to somebody else because I'm I'm pretty tapped out yeah. dealing with my own problems. That's healthy, Allison. That is so healthy. That's setting boundaries. Go go tell your stories to someone else because I am I'm at capacity, right? That happens so much too, is that you know, people will start complaining about like, you know, my husband this or my wife this. And I'm like I used to say like two years ago, I'd be like, do you know what I would give for a fight with my husband? And then I would just leave. I would just leave because I would just get so annoyed once or twice. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't, you know, I don't get too concerned about it. But when it just is like the same person complaining, I'm like, come on. Be considerate a little bit, I think. I don't know. Yeah. I'm with you. Though. And I've gotten so good about just walking away from conversations. I used to I'm, an, I'm a natural problem solver, and so I would like solve, help to solve the problems. And now I'm just like, sounds like you got a lot going on. See you tomorrow. Because <laughs> I'm done. Like, I'm just tapped out. And I think that's healthy for me. Like, I can't even like, because I'm a, I am empathetic, but I'm not empathetic. But I, I carry that, and I think about it, and I'm like, oh. Well, if they would just do this and this and this and this, we'll figure it out. I think it's, I love all these points because I think it's also good to understand sometimes like where we're coming from. Like, it's like, I don't know, we're different people and sometimes everybody evolves, you know, everybody's changing. So if you have a friend who once was like your go-to and like you could complain about them or complain to them about something or just like vent. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, like they're be acting different. Maybe it's because they just can't take it on. Like it's nothing to do with you or anything. Maybe they want to truly help you and they feel bad, but they just can't take it on. Yeah, I think that's important too. Because we probably, as we've said before, we don't know what everybody has going on. And yeah, don't make it all about you. Maybe somebody else has something on their heart. I was out a few weeks ago with some friends and um, some friends, I was out with some friends and then they introduced me to their friends and their friends were like, oh, do you have kids? And I said, yeah, I have kids. And this person said, yeah, my kids are such bleep bleep or I don't remember what. It really was something, I don't, whatever. And in the moment, like instead of like listening or like engaging in that conversation, or that behavior, I go, yeah, my kids are really great. I don't have that problem. And I left. I just walked away because I didn't want to hear about someone else's problem with their kids. Yeah, my friend Alex was with me and we were driving home and he goes, that was so brave of you. Like, you were just like not going to engage in that conversation. You were just like, yeah, I, I don't have that. And I walked away <laughs> because I just, I don't have that energy anymore. I used to, but I don't now. So what I would have done before is stayed 
had a conversation, found something I liked about this person despite the other things. And then I would have been like, okay, well, we can hang out again. But nope, I was just like, we are not best friends. We're <laughs> moving on from them. Are you proud of me, Allie? I'm so proud of you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So, Allison, everyone I meet becomes my new best friend. I spend tons of energy on them. And Allie is always telling me, you need to spend energy on the people that matter the most, that are closest to you and you and your kids. And that's it. You cannot help everyone. So, Allison, uh, I got some cards here. So, I have my own little date night cards that I've got. Right. And so, I want to try something a little bit different as we get to learn a little bit more about you and Chris and what you guys have in your relationship. So, tell me how you met Chris. Okay. So, I met Chris when I was 16 years old because my family moved to a new area in Georgia. Um, we kind of moved from more of a country area to the suburbs of Atlanta. And so we um, we went to high school together. We went to church together. We had chorus together in high school. Our lunch was the same period, which was during chorus. So um, I just ended up being around him a lot. He was friends with my brother, too. And the first time I actually saw him, I just... <laughs> This is kind of funny, but I was like, oh, what a nerd. <laughs> but then after after a while, like it was like 10 months after I met him, my brother was just like, well, you should ask her out. And he was like, no, she's out of my league. But anyway, he did ask me out and we were together ever since. I love that. We do too. Yeah. So how many years did you guys date before you guys got married? I guess four years because we met when we were 16, started dating when we were 17, and got married when we were 21. Two of those years, we, um, well, it was a long distance relationship because I actually graduated before him and I went out of state to college and then he went out of state to do something else for a couple of years. So um, we were writing the whole time, actually writing letters. No. Oh, pen pal. Um, have you heard me talk about my pen pal? No. She found me after my husband passed away. She actually lives in Omaha and she writes me letters and I write her back. She's a, um, I don't know how old she is. I, I feel like she's in her 80s. I think she's told me she's she's in her 80s, but she's the sweetest woman and we just write back and forth. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that is so cool. You guys were pen pals. So where did you go to college at? What state? I went to Idaho. It was called Rick's College. It was a two-year college. It's now um, BYU, Idaho, Brigham Young University, Idaho. And and he actually went to, to Massachusetts for two years. So, Do you still have those letters? I do. I, I have all of them. Uh, don't you? I have letters. And you know what else I have that I haven't gone back to? Well, I haven't gone back to it at all since he passed. But um, I haven't listened to these for years and years. But we actually had a cassette tape. And we would record stuff to each other and mail it back and forth no. in the mail and send each other messages. So you have them? Yeah, I have it. And gosh, I I kind of forgot about it until just now. Yeah, I need to get that onto something that's maybe a, a little more. Not that the cassette tape is not permanent, but it could break down or whatever. I need to digitize it, I guess. Yes. It more than one place. 
Oh, that's those are yeah. like priceless now. Oh man. Yeah, it is because so we did use Marco Polo some, me and my husband. Mostly we used it to keep in touch with our kids. So I didn't really talk to him on Marco Polo, but made sure I saved all my Marco Polos because I have him talking on Marco Polo and my phone died back in August and I was so sad. Like the screen just went off. It just died. And I still have it. I'm hoping to get off on that phone. I had a voice message on there from him that I was going to save forever. That was just like, hi, just called to hear your voice. Like just him leaving me a voicemail that like, oh, I was going to keep it forever. And I don't know if I can ever retrieve it. But. Oh, see if somebody yeah, can help you with that. Things are so important. You're going to want to get that. Yeah. I love handwritten notes. Like I just think people's handwriting is so neat. I didn't appreciate it until probably within the last year. I started to keep notes from people that like hand and, and you don't get a lot of handwritten notes anymore, but like I just love people's handwriting. It's so unique, like your fingerprint. Anyways, I think it's cool that you still have them. Yeah, I'm super grateful for that. So Allison, what is your favorite memory of your wedding day? My favorite memory of my wedding day. Um, so we decided to go to Washington, D.C. to get married. And we decided to leave early the morning that we were getting married. We decided to leave. And it was going to be really small. So it was just like my parents and my siblings and his parents and his brother. And that was about it. And I don't know why, but. I just wanted to go like have a small wedding and then we came back to Georgia and had a, a reception for more people. I just really wanted the wedding to be small. So I kind of did that on purpose. Like, let's go to DC. Like we both wanted to do that. Um, so we decided the morning of to leave early to get there to go to the wedding. <laughs> so me and Chris and he went the wrong way on the beltway. So instead of being early, we were late, like 10 minutes late. <laughs> Like to your own wedding. Yeah, I don't know. It's just something that we always oh like. God. Neither one of us would ever forget. So it's like, yeah, we got plenty of time and, and we went the wrong way around DC. That's sweet. That's your memory. That's your heart. You guys get that. Keep that. Hold on to it forever. So what's your favorite memory Chris, as a dad? You guys have how many kids? We have four kids. My favorite memory... Um, um, well, there's a lot, but I think kind of to sum it up in general, my favorite thing about him being a dad is just that like he was always really supportive of the kids, all of their extracurricular activities and whatever they wanted to do. That's what he's going to be into. So my youngest son now plays baseball, so he would always go practice throwing and catching the ball if my son asked him to and, and that kind of thing. But my three older kids did swim team for a lot of years, but um, my youngest, he didn't really get into the swimming as much. So my husband, he would volunteer as a, a stroke and turn judge. So he would have to stand at the end of the pool at a swim meet in the heat. It's like 95 degrees and he has to watch the kids swim and like see that they're doing it right. And if they're not doing it right, then they can get disqualified. So we have a swim meet. These swim meets are like six hours long. It goes from like six in the evening to like 10, 11 at night. I guess it's not six hours, but you have to get there. You have to get there like four or five. So it's just a big production. There's so many people. So my husband would sweat a lot anyway. He sweat really easily. So he's there. He has like a probably a two or three hour shift where he's watching the kids swim. 
he just sweats and sweats. He gets his everything soaked because he sweats so much. So we're leaving this swim meet and it's like 1030 at night and it's the last swim meet. My husband's completely drenched in, in sweat and he's like, asked our son, are you going to do swim team next year? And he's like, no, I'm done. And my husband was so sad. He was like, oh, and I was like, I would have been just cheering like you don't want to do swim team great i don't have to sweat in this you know i just i don't know my my husband just just the dedication that he had to the kids and then just one more story about that um my daughter she was really into ballet she is very into ballet so she got into a summer program a six-week long summer program in atlanta my husband was working from home, but he rearranged his schedule so that he could drive her every day and he would go and work like in an office in Atlanta so he could be right there by her and, you know, just drove her the whole, all the six weeks, uh, you know, an hour, it's about 45 minutes to an hour, 45 minutes with no traffic, but when traffic comes along, you don't know how long you're going to be in the car. So it was at least an hour drive every day each way. And it just, I was just touched that he was like rearranging his whole work day. Like she would get done at four. And so he would drive her home at four and then, you know, come home and he'd get right back on a work meeting because sometimes he just had to move his meetings around because he would be driving during that time. So you're just really dedicated. That's so sweet. I love that. That is really cool. So, Ellie, have you ever been to um, Atlanta? Ellie traveled for work a lot, too. Have you been to Atlanta in summer? I haven't. Oh, my gosh. It's like nothing you've ever experienced before. It's like humidity. It's humidity. Hot, hot. So, I I can just picture poor Chris standing at the pool sweating. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't know if you loved it. And one thing, too, about him being the, the swimming judge, he would say, he would say, well, especially with the little kids, I try not to be too strict. And I sort of try to, not that he would look away, but he's like, unless they just make a big, huge mistake, he would try. He would try really hard not to disqualify them. And I just thought that was so sweet that he, and there was one time a kid made a mistake and he was going to let it go. But then the mom started yelling about it. Like uh, the kid was supposed to finish with a two hand touch. And he only finished with a one-hand touch. So Chris is like, I'm going to let that one go, you know, to himself. And then the mom starts yelling, you didn't do a two-hand touch. And he's like, uh, I have to, <laughs> you know, then he had to raise his hand and say, uh, he's qualified or whatever. <laughs> oh my God. But I just thought that was really sweet of him. That is sweet. So tell me a little bit more how you lost Chris. All right. So it was really sudden unexpected he um passed away on 8 p.m on december 24th of 2022 so um 2022 was just a really amazing year and i just kept feeling like every month was better than the last and even every day was better than the one before and i just felt like life was just going along so great and i i remember thinking to myself at the beginning of december like I know life isn't always going to be this way, but I really was just trying to embrace the where it was. And I was just thinking, oh, I know there's going to be something hard coming up, 
And it's not that there weren't hard things going on in 2022, even there were some hard things going on with our kids. But as far as like us as a couple, we were in an amazing place. So Christmas Eve, it was a really good day. We spent the day together as a family. One thing that we like to do is go out and look at Christmas lights. So it was probably about 730. We left our house to go look at Christmas lights. While we were looking at Christmas lights in the car, well, he actually was driving and he he said, hold on a minute. And he pulled over and we were just in a neighborhood. So we weren't on a main road or anything, thankfully, but he just had a heart attack right then. Like, I mean, I didn't know what was happening initially, but um, he didn't even put the car in park, but I was just really glad that I was able to put the car in park and then turn the car off when I was like, okay, we're need the car off. But my kids, three of the kids were with us because my oldest, he had been in Chile for six months. Anyway, my kids were, they were just kind of little heroes. They called 911 and they, when 911 said, you got to get him out of the car, you got to lay him flat. I said, there's no way we can pull him out. So I said, you got to go knock on doors and get people to come help us pull him out of the car. And so it just, it was super fast. Like, you know, we were just kind of having this great family evening one minute. And then the next minute it was like, everything changed. <laughs> he, um, it kind of took me a, a little bit longer to realize something was wrong than the kids. Like, like I said, I thought he was having a seizure. So I was like, okay, he's seat belted in. He's safe. This is going to pass. My daughter just went ahead and called 911, my 18-year-old. So, Was it instant then, Alex? Was it instant or was there a hospitalization? I think it was pretty pretty instant. I, I didn't think there was much help when the ambulance got there. The ambulance did come. We were only about five minutes away from the hospital. The ambulance came and I didn't think they were getting any response out of him and they they put him in the ambulance and I rode in the front and then when we got to the hospital they said just step back to the side and I watched them take him in into the hospital and I just it didn't look like there was any response so and of course they didn't let me go in to the room because they were frantically working on him so I just knew like I knew they weren't going to let me go in the room with them they just like, okay, we got to collect your information. And I'm sure they're probably used to people getting mad at them because they're like, we're sorry, we can't let you go in there. And I was like, I, I knew they weren't going to let me go in. And then they put me in a room with the, the um, hospital chaplain. And I was like, yep, this is not good. Oh, no. And are your kids with you at this point too? So my, my daughter drove our van back home and I went in the ambulance because my 18-year-old daughter drove. The kids were 18, 16, and 10. So Allison, you know, what came next? Like, how did, how did things go from there? Uh, from there, hey, what was, what's life been like? Um, well, I will say that having him pass away really quickly was, it was shocking. So one thing that's been very surprising to me is the way that I just, I didn't cry. I was like, wow, I just like, I knew it wasn't good when I saw what was happening. And then, you know, I, I had to go, you know, go home and tell the kids. But one thing that I'm really happy that he decided to do was he was an organ donor. 
So I was happy about that. And I'm glad that we had a conversation about it. And it wasn't any kind of a long conversation. It was just like, maybe one of us said to the other, oh, hey, did you decide to be an organ donor when you went and got your license? And we're both like, yeah, I did. I did. And we're both, okay, if we die, we don't need our, we're not going to need all that. So somebody else might as well use it. So I was really glad that he got to um, help other people. And I haven't heard from anybody, but um, the organ company, organ donor company was actually really supportive and good to work with. I was glad because my brother was worried. He's a doctor and he was like, oh no, I hope they were nice to you. And I was like, well, they were so nice and they were so good. Because I had an interview like for about an hour that night about every detail of his life. And <laughs> um, she just was like, you call me, this is my work schedule. You call me anytime when I'm at work and I'm going to, you know, if you want to talk about anything, that was something that I was glad for because it, it helps me at least to know that something that's so terrible for us is a blessing for someone else. Yeah. I really hope you get to hear back on from some people on that. I feel like that would be such a neat, neat thing to share. I've never gone through this experience, but I, I've seen things where did you get to walk back with him to the room? Like where they like walk him to the operating room. Did you get to see him before they did that? So when I was at the hospital and when the doctor came in to, to say, we're so sorry, we worked as hard as we could. We've been working on him for 45 minutes and we just couldn't get a response. When they came and told me that he passed, they said, do you want to see him? Do you want to come and say goodbye or whatever? And I said, yes. So I went in. And they said, okay, let us get him cleaned up. So they, you know, wrapped him up nicely or whatever. They, you know, put a sheet around him. And so, yeah, I did go in and I just like kissed him on the forehead and said goodbye and grabbed his wallet and his personal belongings and his wedding ring or just anything. So, yeah, I got to say goodbye in that, in that way. As far as him going to go donate his organs, that happened a few hours later because he had to be transported to a different place and when the organ donation company called me they didn't call me to get permission to do anything because they he had already given permission by checking whatever boxes on his driver's license but um the only thing they asked for my permission was just we would like your permission to move his body to our facility oh. so they could get what they needed Got it. Thank you for sharing that. That's not easy to share. No, not at all. Allison, how did, um, you know, how have things been going for you as you're working on kind of navigating 18 months? So we've been really blessed to have a lot of support from our friends and family. And this probably happens for everybody, but possibly would be more so when you have just a complete sudden loss but it just was like everything exploded and then I had to go around and try to pick up all these pieces and put it all back together sort of our life you know and um it's been 13 months and my life is a lot more put together than it was but I I'm still picking up pieces and still figuring things out and I'm gonna be for you know, probably at least a few more years, there's just still things that are 
need to be done or changed or whatever. I don't know, even like things like the utilities that were in his name. I still haven't changed those, but I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'll get to that when I'll get to that because I still have other things that are more important to be addressed right now. Totally. I'm still working on stuff. Sometimes I feel selfish because I feel like I'm working on like the, I don't think, I know now that like three years out that I'm not being selfish, that this is what I was supposed to do. But like I had to work on myself. Like I had to work on being able to get out of bed. I had to work on raising the kids. I had to work on making sure I had on clean underwear. I had to work on like all of those things that affected life before like the utility company compounds in for all I care. It's in Eric's name, you know. I have a question for you guys. And I don't know if we've ever asked this, Sally, or if anyone's ever asked us this, but and maybe it's something you guys don't feel comfortable answering. But Allison, you know, I lost Eric t- to cancer. I got two good years with him. Well, they weren't good years, but I got two years to be his caretaker and, and work through that journey with him. But if you could have one more day with Chris, what would that look like? That's such a deep question just to toss at you guys. I don't even know if I could answer that. And I will tell you, I'll answer it differently today than I would have yesterday, day before, and the day before, I think. I think I know what I would say today. I would want, because this hurt me, I asked the kids what their favorite memory of was of, was of Eric the other day, and they couldn't really remember. So I would want him to sit down with the kids and tell them some stories about him and about them and him and what he what he did for them and like the way that he was a dad like that's for sure that's what i would want right now what about you guys it's it's such a hard question crystal yeah i would want the same thing that would be a good thing to do i was just gonna say if i had one more day it would really be just really just like the days we were having shortly before he passed or you know even uh, like i said 2022 is just a, a good year for us and i kind of hate to say this because i know a lot of people had such a hard time and, and a lot of loss because of covid but for us as a family covid was a blessing because we went from having him gone and having a commute and maybe sometimes him traveling like he was just gone a lot for work to like all of us being together and being able to spend basically three years together we had just a lot more family time the last three years because of things having been shut down from covid and then um you know once covid started he worked from home from then on and it was just it was great I kind of feel like I would just do what I was doing. I we would have dinner together. We would um, play games together. Chris was very much into games. He liked video games a lot. He did play a lot of video games, but he played a lot of games with the kids. Or it was really nice because my youngest, he's eleven now, but whenever I would leave the house for anything, I just always felt it was comforting just to know like. Then my husband's there and he's going to spend time with them. And I don't have to worry. You know, I can go take care of what I need to take care of. And my kids are taken care of. 
Natalie, what about you? Oh, well, we would not sleep at all. We would spend every single waking second talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you would. A lot. A lot and I, I feel like it's hard to think about because I feel like it would be like losing him again, which I just, I don't know if my little heart could take that, but I'm with you. I would want my kids. Like I literally, what I crave so much is our foursome back again and just like spending all day together. Like, and I would probably make it just like a normal day of us like having the boys share what they love. Like Gus loves his sports and like, I would love Ross to see that. And I know he sees it now, but like, I want I want to see him see it <laughs> and I want to see his reaction and I want him to talk to me about it because I could go on and on about talking about our kids and I miss that so much. And so I would want my boys to like show daddy everything that they're doing right now and show him our house and like I would want to have a meal together like us sit down and like talk and eat together like oh I miss that so much and then like I would just talk Ross's ear off like and I would want I would want to hear his opinion on things and like it would just be like nonstop, just I don't know us being just being and it would be amazing Soak up every second. Every single second. And like, I wouldn't let him not focus. <laughs> <laughs> he has no time to chicken me. No. <laughs> no time. Um, no time to check on his grass. No, he's not checking on his grass. And. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I think about that all the time. Like, what would I do if I could just talk to him? Gosh, I would just miss it so much. Oh, to, I could just feel what it's like to have my family yes. back together. And like, just have the boys share what their passions are. Yeah. And I like, I'm not naive. Like, I realize it's done. It is what it is. And my life, like, and I'm processing that well, but it doesn't mean I can't still wish, you know. To think about what has been been lost I think is okay so Allison what else do you want to share with us about Chris and your your journey I I did want to share that one thing that's pretty special that happened well when I think about it back on I think I just must have had like angels around me because even with the first 24 hours after he passed away I just felt I actually felt a lot of hope <laughs> I felt the fi- finality that his mortal life is over mine is not and I still have a bright future ahead of me and a happy future I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like and trying to look forward to it I am very thankful that I that I had that comfort so quickly. That is a blessing. I think that's good. Are you a religious person? Like, do you feel like like you like he went to heaven and and that maybe like guardian angels were around you during that time? Yeah, I mean, I like to say it, it feels a lot less harsh rather than saying like oh, he died, just say, well, he moved to heaven, like, he's moved to another place, you know, and he's, he's up there, um, 
you know, getting a really nice house ready for all of us. And for a lot of years, he would work on the house a lot. And the house that we lived in before this one, it was foreclosure when we bought it. And he was just always doing something to it. I was always living through some construction project to the point that (laughs) I just got sick of it. I was like, I need a new house. Well, and I also wanted a bigger house when we had four kids, but um, I was like, I need a house that's new, that's not always like drywall dust everywhere. And (laughs) so I just picture him, you know, and and I feel like, yeah, you better get me a nice house for leaving me so early, (laughs) leaving me when still in the middle of raising our kids and weren't supposed to go yet, but. So I, um, I do feel that um, same way that it was like, it really, it must have been his time. Like that's, that's all that it is. And I have to accept that and comfortable. I'm comfortable with that now. You know, the first couple of years, it was tough, like just like navigating it to get there. But I'm also pretty comfortable with that too, Allison, where I just, I'm like, you know what, this this was what was meant to be. It's not what I thought my meant to be was, but it's what was meant to be. And like you said, what it meant for me next, I don't know what that looks like, but I'm really comfortable living in it. Like I'm super okay knowing that my meant to be looks different than what I planned for it, but I'm here for it and I'm going to live my best life along the way. Even though our hard is so big i i feel like i can look you know i can look around and i always see somebody that's harder i just feel like with my Me kids too. like if they were any younger it would have been so much harder like it's sad to see like kids that are so young like i feel the worst for my 10 year old because he only had 10 years with his dad but i guess <laughs> looked at it from one way like i was kind of lucky like my kids were 20 and 18 and 16 like they so I had three big kids and my 16 year old, she got her license like the day after the funeral. So then it's like, okay, well now I'm a solo mom. And, but now I only have one kid that I have to drive places. The rest of them can drive themselves. So my 17 and 19 year old now, like they're around to like help with the younger one and go to the grocery store if I need them to. So I kind of feel like my youngest child actually kind of almost has four parents because there's me plus the three other <laughs> kids, you know? Yeah, that's going to be my son. My kids were five, nine, and 11 when Eric passed away. And so, um, you know, it was tough at first, but as they've grown and they've matured in those couple of years, it's made it a lot easier. I'm teaching my daughter to drive now. And today I was able to say, hey, can you back the car out for me? Which was <laughs> super cool. And I was like, okay, cool. I got a little, little something that will help me out. little break there. So, well, Allison, it was super nice to meet well, so nice. And I I am sending you the best love that I can send you. And um, you're brave. And I'm really proud of your journey, especially as you've um, leaned into your faith and you've leaned into what's important to you and to Chris and finding some path forward through that. And you are a hot widow. So <laughs> thank you. So are you. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. And letting me share a little bit yeah absolutely i'm super glad we got to hear your story so all right everyone we're gonna sign off from the hot widows club podcast have a great night and go chiefs